Welcome to episode five of HPR Talks, The First 100, where we discuss the recent developments in the Biden administration and its relation to U.S. politics at large. Last week, we covered several states' decision to drop mask mandates, the Senate's passing of a stimulus bill, several contested nominations for the Biden administration, sanctions on Russia, and the climate crisis. Today, we're going to start by revisiting the recent uptick in Asian American violence, especially with regard to the Atlanta shooting. Then we'll follow up on the surge of immigrants at the U.S. southern border, as well as the criticism that Biden has received for his handling of the situation there. After that, we'll briefly pivot to the world of foreign affairs to discuss Biden administration's relations with China and Russia. Finally, we'll provide an update on the stimulus package that has been a huge element of our past episodes. This past Wednesday, eight people were killed in Atlanta, Georgia, with six of the eight victims being women of Asian descent. 21-year-old Robert Aaron Long, who is white and is thought to have frequented the spas in which the shootings occurred, has been charged with eight counts of murder. Long had purchased the handgun hours before the shooting, and according to the Washington Post, quote, getting the gun was as simple as going to a local sporting goods store. Passing the background check took a matter of minutes. Demonstrations have been taking place all across the United States in solidarity with Asian Americans and in a strong rebuke of the uptick of anti-Asian violence, which was exacerbated by the pandemic. Following the attacks, many have called attention to the concerning leniency of firearm laws here in the U.S. Peter Ambler, the executive director of the gun control advocacy group Giffords, said that, quote, Time and time again, you've seen some of the most vulnerable communities in this country threatened by this lethal lexus of hatred and unregulated access to firearms. Political figures, including senators and President Biden himself, expressed their outrage over this past week's killings. Democratic Senator Warnock from Georgia said, quote, To my Asian sisters and brothers, we see you. And more important, we are going to stand with you. President Biden, who said, quote, our silence is complicity when urging national action over the Atlanta shootings, recently met with Asian American Pacific Islander leaders and is calling on Congress to pass the COVID-19 Hate Crimes Act, which would increase the federal government's ability to address the increasing number of hate crimes in the status quo. Pressure for Congress to begin passing legislation condemning and taking action over the uptick in hate crimes has increased over the past week. American actor Daniel Day Kim recently criticized Republican lawmakers for voting against a resolution which condemned anti-Asian sentiment and racism during a House hearing on Thursday. Kim said he was, quote, disheartened to find that for a bill that required no money or resources, just a single condemnation of acts of hate against people of Asian descent, 164 members of Congress, all Republican, voted against it. Linda Sarsour, co-founder of Until Freedom, said more than rhetoric was expected from the government and surrounding communities, arguing that AAPI members needed, quote, more than thoughts and prayers, particularly investments in their organizations and institutions. Transitioning to the southern border, since Biden took office on January 20th, there has been a significant rise in the number of immigrants reaching the U.S.-Mexico border. According to data from U.S. Customs and Border Protection, about 15,000 unaccompanied youth migrants were detained at the border between the months of January and February alone. This is compared to a total of 37,000 for all of last year. The reason for this rise in immigration can likely be traced back to the drastic change in tone on immigration coming from the Oval Office over the past year. Through his term, President Trump was notoriously anti-immigration, making the promise of a large wall across the U.S.-Mexico border the centerpiece of his campaign. Biden, on the other hand, has adopted a much more sympathetic tone that projects a friendlier stance on immigration. 
This tone can be traced to his differences in policy from Trump. Early in his term, Biden overturned the Trump-era policy of turning away minors at the border, and Democrats currently have a sweeping immigration reform bill pending in Congress. Despite the likelihood that Biden's gentleness on immigration as compared to his predecessor is the reason for the rise in immigration that we're seeing here, his administration has not given in to conservative demands to take harder stances on the issue, whether that be policy-wise or rhetorically. In response to people calling the situation at the border a crisis, Press Secretary Jen Psaki said, quote, children presenting at our border who are fleeing violence or fleeing prosecution, who are fleeing terrible situations, is not a crisis. We feel that it is our responsibility to humanely approach this circumstance and make sure they are treated and put into conditions that are safe. It is possible that another reason for a rise in this immigration is the increasingly optimistic pandemic situation in the United States. While the U.S. may not have looked like a good place to live months ago, increased access to vaccinations has caused the COVID-19 pandemic to slow down significantly. As a result, it is possible that more immigrants are willing to make the journey to the border. According to CNBC, Biden has dispatched some of his top officials to Mexico and the Central American nations in an effort to lower the level of immigration attempts. This is in line with his attempt to fix the root cause of immigration by fostering a less corrupt and more hopeful future in Mexico and Central America. Calls for the Biden administration to be more transparent and take more action with the U.S.-Mexico border situation have been receiving bipartisan support. Specifically, lawmakers are urging the president and his team to allow increased media coverage, including the presence of reporters, into the facilities around the border. Republican Senator Rob Reportman of Ohio said that despite the expectation that the border situation remained, quote, transparent, it is, quote, amazing how little his constituents know about what's going on down along the border and described the crisis as a, quote, situation spiraling out of control. Democratic Senator Chris Murphy of Connecticut said that he and his colleagues, quote, want to make sure that the press has access to hold the administration accountable. CBS News pointed out earlier this week that during both the Trump administration in 2018 and the Obama administration in 2014, journalists were allowed into various facilities to speak personally with migrants and observe the conditions there for themselves. Earlier this week, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas emphasized that, quote, we're in the midst of the pandemic and mentioned several health concerns, particularly with the crowded Border Patrol stations. Mayorkas did say that he and his team were, quote, working on a plan to provide access so that people could see what is going on at Border Patrol stations. Despite his campaign promise to reconstruct a fair and humane immigration system that works for everybody, particularly vulnerable individuals, such an ambition is proving difficult. Sabrina Rodriguez of Political wrote that in response to the worsening crisis, the Biden administration is, quote, relying on controversial practices of past presidents, housing unaccompanied minors in temporary detention facilities, applying a Trump-era pandemic rule to rapidly expel migrants at the border without due process, even as officials quietly try to draw up new policies to handle migrants at the southern border that are a break from the past. We're clearly seeing the Biden administration's difficulty in reconstructing a more equitable, efficient, and inclusive legacy for migrant seekers, especially as numbers of individuals at the U.S. border begin to skyrocket amidst the pandemic. Stay tuned for more updates next week. The Biden administration, particularly the president himself, has made it clear that they will not be tolerating China or Russia's breach of diplomatic agreements or basic human rights. 
with President Biden recently stating in a televised interview that Vladimir Putin was a, quote, killer. The Biden administration has rejected Putin's suggestion that the two presidents meet virtually for a discussion, to which Russia's foreign ministry said that they regret the missed opportunity to, quote, discuss problems that have built up in bilateral relations and also the theme around strategic nuclear stability. Kevin Liptak and Kylie Atwood of CNN wrote earlier this week that the president and his administration's recent responses to foreign powers demonstrated an apparent desire to publicly signal to Moscow, Beijing, and skeptical Americans alike that Biden will not be pushed over, even if the result is dramatic deterioration of relations. Liptak and Atwood noted that both China and Russia, quote, seek to paint the U.S. weekend, citing, quote, political divisions, a Bosch response to coronavirus, and economic instability. It's clear that tensions have reached historic heights, ones that may greatly overshadow those of the Trump administration. Some analysts are saying that these first encounters between the Biden administration and other international superpowers are just a sample of what's to come during the upcoming four years. David E. Sanger of the New York Times described it as, quote, a new era of bitter superpower competition marked by perhaps the worst relationship Washington has had with Russia since the fall of the Berlin Wall and with China since it opened diplomatic relations with the United States. The Biden administration has moved forward with imposing sanctions on the Chinese government as a result of continual human rights abuses inflicted on the Uyghur population. In a recent statement, the Treasury Department said that the government is, quote, committed to using the full breadth of its financial influence to, quote, promote accountability for the serious human rights abuses occurring in Xinjiang. Previously, the administration had sanctioned Russia over the attempted assassination and arrest of opposition figure Alexei Navalny. Will new sanctions be enforced? What will happen as a result of the ever-increasing tensions between the Biden administration, China, and Russia? We're as curious as you to find out. Transitioning back to domestic politics, President Biden officially signed the $1.9 trillion coronavirus relief bill named the American Rescue Plan Act on March 11th. Upon doing so, Biden checked off the first and perhaps most important priority currently on his presidential agenda. The bill, though extremely disputed in the Senate, will provide $1,400 to most Americans and increase funding for many government programs, from the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, or SNAP, to $7.5 billion to assist the CDC in the fight against COVID-19. Though this is a huge step forward for the Biden administration, the president and his cabinet hardly consider themselves to be done. According to the Washington Post, the White House is preparing for a massive $3 trillion infrastructure and jobs package bill. This bill will also very likely include universal pre-K, free community college, and many measures to curb climate change. It is the administration's aim to use this package to build off of the recovery provided by the coronavirus relief bill, helping America, quote, build back better, just as he promised to in his campaign. However, Biden and Democrats in Congress must be weary of inevitable Republican criticisms. From the coronavirus relief bill to the currently pending immigration reform bill, One of Republicans' largest objections to Democratic legislative efforts thus far have been the attempt to make large, sweeping bills as opposed to smaller, more focused ones. Unfortunately, if Democrats give in to this demand, the bold change that they seek will likely become less pronounced, as it would likely prove to be more difficult to try to pass a higher quantity of bills through the divided Congress.
Therefore, we expect not only that Democrats won't break this bill up into pieces, but also that if the large sweeping bill does pass, it will be just as much along party lines as the coronavirus relief package was. More on that soon. That's it for now. Stay tuned for next week's episode as we continue to cover all things related to the Biden administration and provide analysis on key developments of the week. How will the early implementation of the stimulus package pan out? How will the Protecting the Right to Organize Act be received in the Senate? Will there be updates on foreign policy, particularly relating to Russia and Navalny? We're as curious as you are to find out. And with that, I'm Amy. And I'm Fawaz. And this has been HPR Talks, The First 100. Until next time.